So welcome to the podcast. Hello. So uh, it's the John Papaloni Show, obviously, as I mentioned on Facebook, and uh, I am interviewing Dan Wood. How's it going, Dan? What's going on? Just setting up, playing with some gear. I got a camera set up over here. You inspired me with the microphone that you're using, because I think this, my microphone is like tinny. It just doesn't sound right. I saw a Facebook Live I did last week with somebody else. And I didn't like it. So then I reached out to you to find out what mic you're using because it sounds really good. And um, then I realized, wait a minute, I have a shotgun mic that sits on top of my camera, like a, a Canon camera. And apparently it's supposed to be plug and play into your um, computer as well. So I thought, oh, I could just use that. And then it turns out that the microchip is broken or something. Oh, <laughs> or something. So, so I had to mail it away. So now it's being mailed to California. So I don't have that microphone. Yeah, I, I guess maybe sometimes when you're hearing it, it's not the way you want it to sound. Yeah. <laughs> Which I totally understand, because even my mic, to be honest, I don't think it has enough treble, and that's probably my settings. Yeah, you're good. Okay, it you might be my speakers. <laughs> what I want to do is start off with maybe a little history about you, if you wouldn't mind sharing with everyone. So I started in real estate in 2007, but before I did that, I, uh, I got a cool story about entrepreneurship if that's even the word, I wrote out um, a business plan to the Canadian government and it was a full business plan. And I put a sticky note on the cover and I said, if this lands on the wrong desk, please pass it forward. I'm looking for funding and mentorship. And three years later, I got a random phone call by some girl asking for Danielle because my name's Daniel um, legally. So she's like, is Danielle there? I'm like, you mean Daniel? And she's like, oh yeah, sorry. Is Daniel there? I'm like, I'm Daniel. And she goes on to tell me about how they, they have this government program. It's a $13,000 grant. Um, and they're like auditioning uh, people for it right now. And um, somehow my, my business plan landed on her desk three years later. I'm like, Oh my God, this is awesome. So I go and I do my pitch and I ended up getting the money, which you don't have to pay back. So it's like free money. Um, and one year of mentorship, through the Canadian government for starting a business. And so I was just a kid when I did that. And um, the idea for my business plan was, you know, when you're at a, a restaurant or a bar, and I'm assuming when the women go to the bathroom, um, when they close the store, the stall door, there's like an ad on the back of the yeah. wall, I'm assuming. And then for uh, uh, men, it, it's in front of the urinal and it's right on the wall. And they know, because like you're targeting men or women typically um, based on, on the type of washroom you're advertising in. So I thought, what if we took that same concept and advertised on barbershops and salons? Because when you look into a mirror, everything is reversed. But if you put something on top of the mirror, it's the only thing that's written properly left to right. So what I did was I created billboards for barbershops and salons where the bottom part of the ad was for the salon to upsell a product or service for that actual establishment. But then the other two spots I rented out targeting based on men or women. And um, during the grant that I got from the Canadian government, uh, they, they had us do this uh, backup plan. So my backup plan was to go to car dealerships and actually put these, cause it, it was like a peel and stick ad. 
it wasn't a frame. It was just like something that stuck onto the window. So I thought, oh, we could do this at car dealerships too, actually showing what accessories go with the car. And um, that actually took off. So I was a kid running around. I had Saturn Saab and Toyota um, right across Ontario. It was like full-time income um, from this thing. And then all of a sudden, all the car dealerships at the same time stopped buying. From, and they're different companies. So it's not like they all called each other, each other and like, hey, let's just cut this program out. But um, Saturn, Saab and Toyota all stopped. So then I decided to get into real estate. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, always, I always knew that I wanted to be in real estate because I, I wanted I actually wanted to do commercial real estate because I wanted to help people buy and sell businesses. I thought that'd be so cool to, to actually be on the business side with like um, buying and selling of franchises, that sort of thing. And, uh, but I was like super, super young and I thought it was like any other place, like a job. So I started calling, a, I won't name the names, but they were the commercial companies and they all pretty much just laughed me at the door. And so then I realized, well then, um, okay, so commercial probably isn't the space. Cause I don't have a friend or family or a colleague that is in the space to actually like mentor me and help me out. So I just got right into residential real estate. And I killed it. I friggin' loved residential real estate. It was so easy. Everything to me was a marketing opportunity, no matter what I was doing. And it wouldn't matter what business I'm in. Everything is a marketing opportunity. Like you, you're doing this podcast. Well, it's not just the podcast that you're doing because you can repurpose this content into a written blog. You can repurpose this content into uh, audio, video. Like there's so many different things that you can strip from it. And so I took that same approach with my real estate business that um, I didn't just do an open house on the weekend. It was a, it was a campaign, man. I would be, if COVID didn't exist way back in the day, which it didn't, I would be door knocking. I would be prospecting on the phone. I would be doing newspaper and magazine ads, advertising on all the web platforms that didn't even make sense. If there was a space for me to advertise for free, our listing was there. And so, um, Everything was a marketing event and yeah, I'm still marketing today. So people are like, Oh, what do you do? And it's such a hard answer for me to tell people. Cause I, I really do so many different things. Like I do real estate coaching. Um, I own rental properties. Um, I do have a digital marketing company where we run ads for real estate agents. Those are like the big ones. Um, but it's all based on marketing. It doesn't matter what I'm actually doing at the end of the day. If I take a step back, I'm wearing the marketing hat. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so that's kind of like a fast forward to what I'm up to now. I'm still in real estate, but primarily I, well, yeah, for the last, I'd say around 2012 is when I hung my license and stopped being active with it. Sidestep before I get into this part, because um, now I do coaching. When I was active with my license, what I was doing was um, working leads to an appointment and then giving them to other agents on a referral split. And I found out, and the reason I did that is because I found out really quick, I'm not good with the contract. The first month in business, <laughs> I, I, they shouldn't, I shouldn't have, I thought like real estate, any other job, if you go to McDonald's, they will teach you for two weeks how to cook the fries and how to not burn them. So I thought, oh, I'm going to get into real estate. And at that time in Oshawa, um, the contracts were like the average house price was say 350. They're never going to let me just run around and wing it with people. Like they're going to shadow me and mentor me and all that. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> it was totally a, a wild west. I couldn't believe it. So anyways, fast forward a month later, my first month into the business, I come into the office and I'm so excited. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And I lined up the whole front counter with um, contracts. And they're like, what's this? I'm like, oh, it's the first of the month. It's, it's payday. These are all the deals I did. They literally wanted to fire me, rip my head off because I, I didn't hand anything in. Oh, I, didn't hand, I didn't hand a single thing in. I don't know. I don't, I didn't know. I didn't, what do I, what do I know? I was too busy trying to get, get business and get contacts and do all these other things. And I'm like, well, I guess I didn't know. So what do we do now? Like, I want to keep selling real estate and I'm doing pretty good at it. I would say I just, uh, I'm not good at the paperwork. <laughs> so I decided at that point, instead of wearing the accounting hat and like the contract hat and all these other hats that we have to wear, I was just going to strictly um, farm everything out to other agents. And that enabled me to just focus on the marketing. And I loved it. So um, I hung my license in 2012. And I started speaking. A lot of people don't know the backstory of the speaking, but I started, um, I did about 300 talks. And I didn't charge a dime. I didn't upsell a lot of times when you have a, a somebody come to your office and do a seminar, they have like a alternative motive for something that they're selling. I didn't have any of that. I was literally just building relationships with realtors in hopes of getting referrals. And I did well over 300 of them. And um, so when I did that, what I was doing was just putting my speaker, <laughs> my phone on speaker and I, I, um, converted internet leads in front of an audience. And that was my talk. I didn't have an actual PowerPoint or anything. I just like showed people how to have natural conversations with consumers and how to book them to the next stage to get an appointment. Technically, that's kind of more powerful than a PowerPoint speech, because when you're watching us a lot, like you're watching a PowerPoint, it's really just information that you're watching, doing what yeah. you did is like proof of concept. I mean, these days, I don't think you could do it. I probably couldn't even shouldn't have done it back then because I didn't have written permission from the people I was talking to because they didn't know I was calling them. It was just a cold lead. So anyways, 2020, I wouldn't do that this year, <laughs> but back in the day I was able to, and um, yeah, it worked out really good, but all the audi agents in the audience, they'd be like, well, that's great, but can you just do it for me? Cause I don't have enough leads. How do I get leads? So then that's when I started helping agents with getting their own leads. And that was around, I'd say around 2010 or 12 is when that started. And right around 2012 is when I went full-time coaching. And that's what I'm doing now. So I do coaching for real estate agents. I talk for all the major brands. Um, and yeah, I've been doing it for years. And now I live remotely. So this is actually a RV motorhome. And I just travel, except with COVID. It was a cool story until COVID because now I'm literally a guy <laughs> in a van down by the river, <laughs> honestly. But um, before that, it used to be cool because I would just chase the sun. So wherever the good weather was is where I would be. And it was a five-year road trip. Now with COVID, I can't go south for this winter. So we're in BC, which isn't a bad place to be, but it is always rainy. And um, so once the weather dries up here, I'm going to go to Whistler for the summer and fall. And then hopefully next year we can go south and continue the trip. But I've been living a digital remote lifestyle since 2009 is when I got into outsourcing. You ever read the book, The 4-Hour Workweek by oh, Timothy Ferris? I started it. I actually never finished it, to be honest, but I, I got like halfway through. But I, I get the concept. 
Okay, well then get the audiobook because it's amazing and totally game changer. Um, so the the idea of outsourcing isn't to like find somebody to, that'll do it for you for four bucks an hour. That's not what the idea is. The idea is to just get out of your own way and have somebody else do something that is um, not the hat that you should be wearing. And so I got a tip for you if anybody's listening and they do want to outsource um, and free free up more time. The first thing is get a journal or a scrap piece of paper and write down everything that you don't like doing, anything that doesn't bring you joy, um, anything that's beneath your pay grade, anything that you know should get done, but you drag your feet on it. And just like this is going to be double sided, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I hate my business. <laughs> so you're going to have this double sided piece of paper, all these things that you don't like doing or shouldn't be doing. Then what you do is you grab a highlighter and you take that highlighter and you highlight any of those things that are reoccurring. Does it happen daily, weekly, or monthly? Like maybe um, every week you have to get a prospecting list. And one of the biggest obstacles for people to pick up the phone is that they don't have a list and a good reason to call. So I would outsource somebody to create my prospecting list every, every week for me so that every Monday it was done and ready and all I had to do is pick up the phones. Or maybe every month you do a monthly newsletter to your database. I would have somebody do that design and send it out. Um, I outsource blogging. Um, now, when I was, I'm going to sidetrack for a second. When I outsource blogging, I didn't actually have people post the blogs for me. What I did was I had them do a Google Doc and they would pre-write a whole bunch of content. And then from that, I would cherry pick the ones that I liked. And then I would edit those and make them my own. So it was like 90% done. But then I would put like my polished on it to make it like sound like it's coming from me and vocal and that sort of thing. Well, that's a great tip, actually. Yeah. And for you, because you started the four hour work week, which, by the way, it's not realistic to have a four hour work week. But like I really did have like a four hour work day schedule for a long time. It was like I had a, such a strong, healthy work life balance where I would time block two hours a day for exercise. And the only way I could do that is because I was able to outsource a lot of the other stuff. Now, if you don't have time to read the book, um, definitely get the audio book. But I have a hack for you. Go to a podcast and type in the name Four Hour Work Week. That's the, the title of the book. Or type in the title of any book that you're interested in. And um, anyways, what you'll find is that these authors, they go on like a speaking tour of all these podcasts where they take the eight hour audio and they shrink it and condense it to the best 45 minutes. So they basically tell you the whole book or the main takeaways of the book for free on podcasts. Now, I'm not saying I don't want you to buy books. I'm trying to give you a hack on how to get away with it for free. What I do want to do is inspire you to listen to more audio. And that's a quick, condensed way of doing it. So if you don't have time for the full book, just listen to the author speak about the book on a podcast. And you just type in the author's name or the book that you're interested in. The yeah, one... absolutely. I, um, I love to read books. I typically read about 24 to 28 books a, a year. Okay. Yeah. The only reason I didn't finish it is because the uh, book was actually my brother's. I borrowed it and I was taking too long. So I felt guilty. So I gave it back figuring because he wanted to start reading it. So I figured I can get it back from him and then just end up getting into other books and forgot to go back. Right, right. Yeah. Um, the one I just downloaded one last night called um, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen by Steve Sims. 
and I'm super excited about this book. Um, I had the concept of, uh, so I do coaching for real estate agents and we, we're always doing conferences. Well, right now with COVID, we're not doing any conferences. I get that. But anyways, COVID's going to lift eventually. And then I'm going to get back to doing conferences, but I'm actually going to focus on doing um, experiential marketing for realtors. So what we're going to do is we're going to do like really cool experiences where one day is the experience and the other day is the conference. So think of um, me renting like five Justin Bieber buses, like, like a true Hollywood celebrity coach style bus, and then doing a wine tour where we've, I've done wine tours before. Um, and it would be like 50 people all on a bus and it's kind of like school seating. Like it's yeah. a nice looking bus, but it's still like we're all kids packed on a bus. But imagine if it was like full on kitchen and living room and Xbox and like whatever. And we had like a couple of those or um, the Disney has this thing. It's a, um, a VIP experience where it's $400 or $600 an hour. Per person so it's expensive but anyways um when you go to disney and you do this vip experience you get like a private shuttle just for you and your crew and that person is with you all day driving you around and they're like doing a behind the scenes tour of disney and telling you all the back end story and they drive you to the exit of every ride that you want to go on and you go through the exit to get on the ride do the ride and get out you're not waiting in a single line um cool experience right and so an experience like that is like um a, that day would cost about six grand well i could take that six thousand dollar cost and um spread it over like 10 agents or whatever and we all have the coolest story the coolest experience and then the day after we do like the conference or the seminar or the networking or whatever so i'm gonna be doing a ton of that where we're just doing like really really cool experiences um for top playing agents wow that's okay. actually unique totally yeah, unique yeah like it's it's funny i mean I, i've always found your ideas to be very unique and like one thing that really impressed me like one time it just blew me away was um that day we went axe throwing and uh, you came into the remax office and yeah. um they put you on the spot trying to uh get you to stumble and you just nailed it out of the park i don't even remember what the topic was and i'm sitting there watching i'm going oh oh right i'm thinking man like this is pretty tough like wow and then all of a sudden bang you nailed it out of the park and i'm like ha <laughs> it's like <laughs> i'm pretty good at winging it <laughs> that is a, a strength of mine i so i failed grade one who i don't know how anybody fails grade one and I then Oh, well, there you go. So I got really good at um, failing forward, basically. And I had to get really creative because apparently uh, textbook style wasn't my style. So I had to get really, really creative with how I, I passed things. And um, it, I'm really happy I did because it basically turned me into like a professional problem solver where um, I may not know the answer and I may not have all the tools, but with the tools that I have that in reach, I'll usually be able to come up with uh, an acceptable way around whatever the obstacle is and i just um yeah like really lean into stuff like that yeah like well that's the thing right in general everyone's looking for the end zone today like you want to get to the end without uh, going through the process of getting there the problem is let's face it our real end zone is death so why anybody wants the end zone it makes no sense but people don't think of it that way 
Like it is mm-hmm. about the process. It's about the journey and, and you're going to learn things. Waiting for other people to solve it is never going to get you anywhere, right? So progress comes from finding solutions. It doesn't always have to be the right solution. It just has to be a solution and you can work from there. It's easier to, you know, work backwards and try to move forward or like think of, think of the end zone instead of wanting to be in the end zone and come up with a process to get there. You're going to pivot, you're going to wave, but eventually you'll find your way if that's what you, where you're focused, you know, where you focus. I saw an illustration of, um, two guys on two ladders and the one ladder on the right had the rungs were really, really spaced out. And then the other ladder on the left was, um, a lot smaller increments. And the guy, obviously, he could just like step, step. It was just one step at a time. And um, I like that analogy. It looks really good. See, another analogy I do like, which is similar, is where you have uh, two brothers, right? Two brothers and a uh, father who's a drunk. Okay. And what ends up happening is you have one that becomes a doctor and you have one that uh, is basically unemployed and is a drunk just like the father. So then when you ask the uh, brother who's a doctor and say, wow, you know, I mean, you came from a horrible home that was emotionally abusive. Alcohol was, you know, the, pre- the, the prime event at the household, you know, never got the attention, never got the help you needed. Right. And you made, you know, you became a doctor. How did you do it? And the, and the answer is, have you seen my father? You expect me to be like that? I had to get out of there. I had to do something with my life. Then you turn to the other brother and, and you turn around and say, hey, you know, you're always in and out of trouble. You're always struggling to get ahead. What happened? And his answer is, have you seen my father? What did you expect to happen? How can I possibly succeed with that environment? Reality yeah. is two brothers, same event, same environment, same everything. One succeeded. One uh, was uh, basically a victim. Right. All, all the thing that, that, that was different was the mindset and the drive. Uh, I got a story that piggybacks onto that. Absolutely. It's a real life version of it. Um, and it goes in hand with me pulling out this camera. So um, my YouTube channel really does really well for me personally. I got so many phone calls from it. And I noticed a, a trend over the last couple of years that um, the numbers were kind of going down. And I didn't really understand like why, because the, the subscriptions and everything was going up, but like the views were going down and the content was getting better. So I don't, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Anyways, so YouTube has an algorithm where it's called the, um, they track your playthrough rate. So if you have a two minute video, do people watch all two minutes, meaning hundred percent, or do they watch 50% one minute? Well, my videos were like 45 minutes long. And because all my videos were so long, it was um, causing a really poor playthrough rate because not that many people have time to watch a full 40. It's not like I'm Netflix and I can make, and Netflix doesn't even make good content. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's so hard to make good content that's 45 minutes long. So anyways, um, I had to pivot and make a change where I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take my 45 minute concept and I'm gonna shrink it down kind of like the podcast for the audiobook, where they just tell the highlight reel of like the, the key takeaways. So I take my 45 minutes and I shrink it down to uh, like an eight to 14 minute video. That kind of fixed the problem, um, but it, it still, it should be broken down even further. So now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take my 14 minute video and I'm gonna chunk it into chapters where it's like a two minute chunk, two minute chunk, two minute chunk, two minute chunk. 
And um, <clears throat> so anyways, the video here, this camera setup, I'm so excited about it. The microphone that I should be using today, the one that you inspired me because your mic is way better, normally would be hanging off here and it's a boom mic. Um, I had to mail it away to get fixed, like I said, but see how there's a couple things I want to point out. See how the light is on either side. If I had this camera looking right at me and the light was direct center, it would cause like this weird shadowing around my nose for some reason. But by having two lights, it kind of like, boom, it, it counters it out. The other thing I noticed is um, when I'm using this setup, if you have a light directly on your face, it's almost too bright, even on the lowest setting. So what I do is I take these and I put them up so that they're like, I'd say 80% of the light illuminating from this device i don't even use i just let it go to waste it just hits the ceiling or does whatever I, I i put these on an angle and you can tell when you're looking in the video you just keep turning it until it looks perfect and it's the the simplest hack i wish somebody like taught me this years ago so if any of you listening to this are like oh man i want to start making video and you end up getting one of these lights on your camera and it's directly flashing at your face one i suggest you get two lights but if that's too complicated just use the one that you have and regardless point it up at the ceiling and you really only need like the bottom 10 percent of the light hitting your face and it looks so good um so anyways that was the long-winded story of me telling you like yeah i totally had to fail and change the way i looked at things because i could have been like oh bah, humbug my youtube numbers are going down um and then so i corrected it or i thought i corrected it by making a 14 minute video and even that is too long of a video. So now I'm shrinking, shrinking it down to two minute chunks, but guess what? There's a huge benefit. Now I can use those videos for um, social media. Like there's this thing called TikTok that is just killing it with social media and video. And most people, when they think of TikTok, they think of lip sync dancing and stupid behavior. Well, yes. that's probably 90% true. However, it is a huge video platform. And so I'm gonna start taking all my two minute videos and putting it on TikTok, repurposing it for Instagram, IGTV, um, Facebook, and YouTube. And the other thing is normally we shoot our videos like landscape mode. Yes. I, you'll notice I'm gonna be shooting all my videos portrait mode, straight up and down. Um, the reason for that is because I looked at my YouTube numbers and um, I do have a, a, like a, a large enough number count to actually look at the data and it makes sense. Um, anyways, most people that watch my videos, they're watching it on the phone that's in their hand. They're not watching it on a computer or on a that's tablet. That's true. The, the phone is what they're watching most of it on. So um, back in the day, if we recorded portrait mode, it would put these ugly black bars on the left and right of your upload. Um, and it was a huge hard rule where we would tell people, look, you can't shoot portrait. It's just, don't do it. You're not allowed to do it. Well, now all my videos are going portrait because um, all of the platforms have updated that they don't add those black bars. They just play the video full screen. It's brilliant. So now I can make my one video and I can repurpose it for all the different platforms. Um, and so I'm gonna try and keep it around two minutes of video. And, uh, but that's just like an example of like failing 
thinking I came up with an answer and realizing that was failing. So then I came up with a, a third answer and that third answer is going to hit it out of the park because now I can put it on all the platforms and it's built for the platforms. It's going to be awesome. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible insight. Like I've learned two things from this already. Like yeah. one, you just described the portrait and I just, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who, uh, every time we talk on zoom or whatever, he's always using portrait and you're like, Hey, and I get the black bars on the zoom. Right. Yeah. And I'm telling them, I go, yeah, you got to start doing landscape, right? You know, yeah. get with the program and all that. And actually, now you now you bring it up. I'm wrong. He's right. Yeah, on Zoom, where I have my camera that I've just pointed at, that's set up landscape. Um, the, oh, here's the other thing. Here's a little hack. This, If I was doing portrait, I used to have to put my camera like this on. So before, if I was doing portrait, I'd have to do where is it? Ah, something like this. Right. And your, tr your tripod wants to fall over because you've got the weight of the camera. It's, this is the center point of the tripod. Now all the weight is over here. Now put a light and a mic and it's like the whole thing wants to like flop over. So I found this company, I freaking love them. It's called um, Small Rig. And it puts this metal frame on the side there all the way around. It's all, all of this. Uh, I see it. I see it. Wow. Yeah, see the, the, every one of these uh, holes is a, a point that you can add a mic or a light or anything you want. And because um, it's got that now I can put it on my tripod centered in portrait mode. Wow, that's actually one of a great invention. Oh my god. I will never buy a camera that doesn't have this is called Small Rig, the company that makes these, and they make it for every major camera. So if I ever upgrade or buy another camera in the future, um it has to have a small rig frame or I won't buy it. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Here's a, I have a couple of questions. Like here's a couple of things. Like even the second thing that I was learning is like yeah. I just learned about the whole YouTube thing with time, right? Because uh, oh, yeah. I, I typically post the whole podcast on YouTube. But mm -hmm. I notice when I take snippets of something or I have one of those two-minute sessions, it gets more views than the, uh, you know, and I couldn't figure out why. And I'm thinking, you know, like, for example, like this podcast, it's got such valuable information, right? Why wouldn't anybody want to hear it? Now I realized that my listening podcast gets decent numbers, but yeah. my visual doesn't. So and I yep. keep thinking to myself, everyone keeps talking about videos, but my videos are flopping. Like, why the heck would anybody like video this video that? Yeah, I get it. I like people like watching it, but I'm thinking the numbers aren't that as good as the podcast. Why bother? And, and, and I'm, you know, and that's what I thought, but I kept going, I'm, I keep going with video. And as you can tell, I'm pretty comfortable with it, yep. but it, it, it's just like in terms of numbers, they don't add up to me, but now you just explained everything because I started doing these two, three minute snippets and I'm getting yeah. views and I'm going, what's changed. Now that, that explained it. So it's pretty, pretty, uh, intuitive. Good, man. Well, look at that. See, talk about things out loud and you learn from others. Um, totally. Yeah. That's, uh, the, the playthrough rate. It's not just YouTube, um, Instagram, uh, IGTV and Facebook. They're all looking at the playthrough rate. It's the number Absolutely. one metric. Yeah. Now I got a question for you with this camera. Are you just recording it? Do you, can you do live? 
recording through the camera or do you have to uh this yeah i can use this as a webcam i just watched a youtube video a couple days ago um there's two pieces of software that you need on your computer and they're both free apparently and then yeah this will connect to zoom and then i would have like the depth of field behind me would be blurred out and i could use like the wide angle yeah you could totally i want to try it out the, my only fear is, is a lot of people don't realize this but in order to sell a video camera I don't know if it's North America, but definitely in Canada, um, most video cameras have a 30 minute cutoff time uh, because if they run longer, then they have to charge a different tax or they get somebody, there's some sort of tax that somebody doesn't want to pay. And so like 90% of the cameras in the camera store will not record over 30 minutes. And so I'm afraid of doing, what if I'm doing a 45 minute like zoom meeting or something i didn't want it to like but i don't think i i'm my my opinion would be well it's not actually recording you're just connecting it to the computer and using it so i i think i can get away with it i want to try it yeah that's interesting because i had a canon as well in the past and mine would let me do 60 minutes i can't figure out why it would disconnect that 60 minutes but it, it would let me do 60 minutes oh, okay 60 minutes huh Maybe it is 60. I thought it was 30. Anything's possible. Again, 30 or 60. Yeah, so that's interesting. I always thought there was a problem with the camera. I even tried sending it in for warranty. Nope. <laughs> right? No, like no. I couldn't it, figure that out. Wow, yeah, that's, it's that's <clears throat> it would be classified as a different type of camera that, that requires a, a different tax. And I don't know if it's you, the consumer, that pays the tax or if it's the um, the store. I don't know. That's interesting because like even a lot of people promote uh, the Sony's now for video. Okay. I wonder yeah. if the Sony's have the same restrictions or if they allow you to, because why, why, why is it becoming so popular? I mean, uh, until now, Canon was like, you either had a Canon or a Nikon. It was just as simple as that. And, and, so, and for video, Canon was better, but now Sony's become popular. Why? Sony's really, but I had a, I had a Sony before I took a dip in the ocean. Um, and yeah, it was really expensive um setup that i had and uh but it wasn't user friendly so like my wife wouldn't be able to like really use it so the cool thing about the canon the reason why i opted for this is because the sony would do better video um than this would but this has think of like an instagram filter where you're like oh i want the black and white filter or i want the smooth out my face filter whatever um canon has filters only you're setting the 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 style of image so you could be like oh i'm doing a mountain shot so you put the mountain shot on and then it sets everything so that everything's in focus or you could do like oh i'm doing a group portrait shot and then it'll like have everybody's faces as like smoothed out and the backgrounds are super blurred like you don't have to know how to do change the aperture and the iso and all that other stuff that i don't even know what those words mean um i just use these uh cool filters and it it, it doesn't make it, uh, most people think like a filter means fake it all it does is it sets up all the camera's internal settings for the style of shot that you're going for whether it be um you're, you want like a, a car driving by with the blur you just put that filter on it it's really cool it's user super user friendly for sure that makes yeah, i love sense. it i was gonna ask you now out of every, all this stuff that's you you've been through like what would you say like even for a new agent will say right coming into the market what was your biggest struggle when you started out that surprised you? It's not even one that you were expecting. 
Like you sort of got into, you had one mindset and then you got into it and go, oh, and how did you overcome it? Well, obviously we knew the paperwork because it was a big issue for you. My biggest like shock was how untrained the industry was as far like they, they gave me a listing presentation and they actually cut with paper and scissors a, a picture of a house out and then used a glue stick and, and glued that onto another piece of paper. And I'm like, whoa, can I show you what cut and paste looks like on a computer? Can I like, <laughs> what are we doing here? This is honestly the training that I'm getting. And um, so I knew from then I was like, you're for yourself in this industry. You, you got to just like go out of your way to f get the help and support from others. And I'm not bashing brokerages um, that maybe it was just that one. Uh, let's just say it was just the one. And I found the one that had the weirdest training ever. So I was really shocked at that because I, I, I'm under the, I would, if I could vote for it, I would say you can't become a realtor unless you are mentored. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be winging it. There's no way that these, some agents that, especially if English isn't your first language and you're, you're working with these contracts and you're just making up stuff. Like I was, I totally did that. I, I did 11 deals and didn't hand them in. I mean, I should have been smacked but um it was pretty impressive i guess to get 11 deals done not knowing what i what you're doing your self-employed contractor i think everybody the first year should be shadowed and so like, like an apprenticeship almost sort of yeah like yeah yeah i get totally. it i get it I, and that's the thing right i mean believe it or not you did 11 deals like that that's pretty impressive let's face it and especially in today's market 80 percent of the people will be lucky if they got one deal done in a year especially the first year let alone the rest of the years well okay so what i did was i had a, a hard set rule that i was first in the office last to leave so i would turn on the lights and i would take joy in being the first one to turn the lights on it was like a race um and now i'm stuck at the office what am i going to do all day so i grab a, a scrap piece of paper um and i drew like a tic-tac-toe grid and my goal every day was to fill up each box with a conversation I had with a stranger about real estate. So I made a game of it for me to have conversations about whatever my product or service was. It wouldn't matter if I was the car salesman or like worked in any industry. I would have that mindset where I do the tic-tac-toe grid and I have to have 12 conversations with 12 different people, primarily prospects about our product and service. So then the challenge was like, well, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Yeah, not the <laughs> Ghostbusters. So I had to come up with creative ways of like, why am I connecting with my database? My friends, my family, my sphere of influence. Because um, once you call through your database once, it's like, now what do you want to do? I had to come up with creative reasons for why I was connecting and reconnecting with people. Uh, I'll tell you the answer on that one. I, I came up with um, becoming a professional fun haver where I always had something fun on my horizon that I could invite and enroll people to. So say I was doing like a goat yoga, totally random, unique type of thing. I would start calling through my database and be like, Hey, Laura, it's Danny Wood over at ABC Realty. Um, don't worry. I'm not asking you to buy or sell a home. Uh, I actually had something for you. You got a quick minute. And she's like, Oh yeah. Hey, what's up? 
I was like, oh, cool. So this is going to sound totally random, but there is a cool, unique experience. I didn't want you to miss out just in case you or somebody you knew would be interested. And it's going to be yoga with goats. It's going to be in Pickering, Ontario. And we're going to be at, at this farm. It's going, we're going to have the newspaper out and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, would you want to participate? It's like totally free. And she's going to be like, yes or no. It doesn't matter whether she says no. The idea was I had the olive branch and the reason to pick up the phone and call her. Now, when I'm calling a person, I always had something in the back of my mind because they're always like, hey, what's up? What's new? That's like a common question when you talk to somebody. So I always had a business related what's up, what's new in the back of my mind so that if they asked me, what are you up to these days? What's new? I'd be like, oh, yeah, we got this cool thing with investing. Um, if you know anybody that's thinking of investing in real estate. And I always had like, but it was never like the reason for my phone call was to like slam them with business because how many times can I call my database and just be like barfing all over about real estate. So I took it upon myself to just always have something fun on my horizon that I invited people to, but I always had a different business related thing in the back of my mind, whether it be about um, nosy neighbor alerts for residential listings or uh, an investing tour, like looking at duplexes, triplexes, fix and flips, that sort of thing, or a seminar on becoming a realtor. I always had all these different things in the back of my head. Um, now, prospecting for actual like cold business, I went to the most logical source, which was uh, for sale by owner, because those people are like ready to sell right now. They're telling the whole world, I want to sell my home. They're also telling the whole world that they hate realtors and they don't want to pay the commission. <laughs> so that was a challenge. So I decided to contact those people, only I wasn't offering me helping them with the listing. I, I called them up and said, Hey, I know you're going to like, that's awesome that you're going to sell the home on your own. And I am a real estate agent, but unlike all the other real estate agents who are calling you to get your listing and probably hounding you, I actually wanted to help you out on the buying side. So if you were to move, where would you move to Oshawa or Whippy? And then I put the words in their mouth and it forces them to correct me. Oh, never Oshawa, Whippy. <laughs> and so now, <laughs> now we have a conversation flowing and I just work them on the buying side. I totally would want the listing, but it wasn't the first dance. It wasn't the first conversation. I just got them into my system, set them up on a prospect match, wish them luck on the sale of their home, and then told them like, look, when you work with a, an agent on the buying side, really you don't pay the commissions the seller home seller pays the commissions and that's why you're for sale by owner because you don't want to pay commissions and i totally get that but there's no benefit to you not working with me on the buying side and i just want to pull the needle out of the haystack and, and like work to earn the right to be your agent um can i at least do that for you 10 a day 10 a day 10 a day 10 a day like how many for sale by owners are there in toronto the gta oh my god i could just just I would, if I was a brand new agent in any city, I would just be dominating that. I would be just totally going after the for sale by owners and working the buyer side. And then when I get a buyer, um, the buyer side, once they're ready, they're like, oh yeah, we want to book a showing or whatever. Then I'd be like, awesome. Okay. I'm going to set you up with Becky. She's the best buyer agent we have. Trust me, you do not want me. And I totally pass the buck because it, if I just want to wear that one hat and I'm just a lead generating prospecting machine, make it rain, make it rain. I don't ha I can't be in the car looking at properties and driving around and doing the contracts. So I really just like the idea of owning that one role and then doing referrals to the rest. 
I get that. That makes sense. Now, here's a question that's going to sound stupid. Yeah. But how did you find the for sale by owner aside, uh, you know, from seeing signs? No, it's not stupid. And um, Craigslist and Kijiji both have a real estate section. And then within the real estate section, they have um, by owner. They have a, uh, it's, not, it's not called for sale by owner. I think it's just called by owner. Okay. And yeah. see, that's creative. Uh, a lot of them are actually still real estate agents. So what I do is um, when you're looking at that Craigslist or Kijiji listing, if you see the first letter of every word capitalized, it means they copied it and pasted it from the MLS. Because whenever we upload something to the MLS, does it not capitalize the first letter of every word? Yes, that's true. Yeah, it still does, right? Okay. So then I, if anybody's Kijiji ad had that, I knew they were purple bricks or I knew they were some other agent because like no, no consumer capitalizes the first letter of every word. Only we write like that for some reason. <laughs> Good point there. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. That, see, that's another thing I learned. I would have never even thought to check Kijiji and Craigslist, but then again, I'm so deep into the industry. The first thing I think of is MLS. So yep. maybe that's the part of the problem. Once it's on the MLS, it's too late for you because they're they're under contract. Even though it's like, yeah, they're under contract. Once it's on the totally, MLS, totally. Now, obviously, the landscape has changed. I mean, things have changed, but things are the same. It's not so much of what to do has changed, but where you get it has changed. So, from where you started till now, if you were a new agent today, and you had like, I mean, obviously, everything comes with focus, right? You can't be everything for everybody. So a new agent coming in today, where would you tell them to focus? Like, what would you do? tell them to do? Like, where should they start? Obviously from their database and obviously yeah. CRMs are important, right? Yeah, I got this really cool hack I'm doing on my phone um, with Trello. It's a free app. Um, I've so heard of Trello. that. I don't know what it is, but I've heard of it. Oh, man. So I'm not telling you not to use a database or a CRM because you should be. Like I have my database. It's like. I don't even know between like three and 600 bucks. I forget. I, at one point it was 600 bucks a month. I think it's gone down to three now. Mm -hmm. Anyways, even 300 bucks a month for just a database is a lot of money. And there's like 80,000 people in it or something. I don't even know. Like I can't keep track. I can't work 80,000 relationships. So what I'm doing is I'm using Trello. And so think of Trello as like a sticky note. And on that sticky note, you can just copy and paste whatever you want. So the thing with databases is that it's really structured and rigid and limited, where it's like you have to type in their first name in the first name field, but then you have to like type their last name in the last name field. You got to open up all these other tabs to, to make notes. It's just like cumbersome. With Trello, it's just like one messy note, but it's my eyes only. And so I have this sticky note for each person and it has their contact information that I just copy and paste. And um, at the very top of the sticky note, I have a next call date reminder. And I, I personally type out what the next call is about and why. So that's up at the very top. And then you can assign a call date on this sticky note. And I'd be like, oh, I'll push this forward by two weeks. So I'll push it forward by two weeks, two weeks roll by. It's up at the top of my list. And it's like, oh, I got to call these 10 people today. So I call the 10 people and the very first thing I read on each sticky note is what the next call is about. Because if I, if they're in my, if they're important enough to be in a database, they're important enough to have a next call date. The challenge is 
sometimes people you don't need to call them for three months or six months or whatever and then when that time rolls around you totally forget like who are these people what are we what's what's in it for them what do i what's my approach so i always have my next call date is written up at the top as the first thing that i read and then um when i call those people because it's 2020 nobody answers the phone anymore right so like oh shoot so i gotta push it forward by i'll call them next week so i change the next call date and then i keep the the next call date reminder the same because i haven't actually talked to them but maybe i call in in a week and the guy's like oh yeah um we're just going to like roll out the christmas holidays or whatever and we'll probably start looking in in uh, the new year okay change so i would change the next call date to be the new year and then i would change the reason for the phone call um talked he wanted to move but he's not he's riding out the christmas holidays wants to wants to talk in the new year that would be my note and i just keep pushing that forward for every contact you can take um screenshots so say a person sends me a facebook message because we i get communications from all different sources my one client might email me call me text me facebook message me and instagram comment all in one day and all that information is like spread out all over all these different places so i'm forever taking screenshots on my phone where i just take a screenshot and then um you can add it to the trello card well here's irony for you look at that oh you got it yeah i, I obviously i don't use it but I, I think uh, somebody mentioned it to me last week. I downloaded it and just haven't looked at it yet. I did a webinar not too long ago. I'll get the link for you and it shows you how to use it. In fact, the webinar that I want to show you um, even gives you one of my Trello boards that has all of my checklists written out for you. So you've got my buyer checklist, my seller checklist, my just listed checklist, my open house checklist. Um, and because I'm like, I give you the board, you can make a copy of it. And now those checklists are yours and you can edit them to be your own. Wow. So yeah, like I, you practice what, like exactly a lot of uh, people preach and you know, like a lot of experts, a lot of people, and, and you're showing your level of professionalism too in this. And, and that's always something I believe as well. You have to give, give, give to get right. Cause yeah. to be top of mind, people have to remember you. And no one's going to remember you by asking, uh, you know, if you call them up and, oh, you're ready to buy, you're ready to buy, you're ready to buy. Nobody's going to remember that. You go, well, you might get remembered for the annoying guy who's on the phone, but you'll never get remembered for what you offer. Now, obviously, if you take it to the next level, which uh, clearly it shows in your presentation that you're all about that upper level and always, you know, top of mind, which is great. I, you know, I commend you for that. And I'm sure that it's obviously... From when you started till now, it's a lot of years of work. So, you know, congratulations on that. I mean, wow. I, like, I'm, I, I'm totally wowed. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no, um, I've always been give, 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 give to the point where some people, they're like, what do you do? They just, they, some people don't even know what I do because I'm never selling. I'm never like, uh, very rarely, maybe three times a year, I'll do like some sort of product launch pitch type of thing uh, and the rest of the year i'm just connecting with people and giving connecting with people and giving and just making good notes making good relationships and um yeah i, I don't you don't have to sell yourself the people once they once you build mindshare and the people know you like you and trust you and you're like the authority in that space whether it's with like shoes or cars or houses um just like 
having a reason to connect with people and, and be cool with it um, is one of the biggest insights that I had was like, yeah, just be, you have to be on the phone and make relationships and not be so spammy. That makes total sense, right? Like uh, even, even going to what you were saying, and this is what I was alluding to, like when I first met, met you or came across you, I had no idea what you did, none whatsoever. I mean, I just saw your uh, company brokerage nation. So I thought, oh, he's another brokerage. I'm like, okay, it's a new brokerage. I'm not sure I've ever seen that your signs before, but uh, <laughs> you know, hey, there's a lot of brokerages popping up. And then I look at your website and I'm looking, I'm going, this doesn't look like a brokerage. And at the end no. of it, I'm going, I have no idea what you do, right? And then just as I keep watching, I'm kind of getting snippets and putting it together, right? So then- oh, That's one of the things. So um, my primary business back in the day was helping real estate brokerages with agent recruiting and agent training. But if I position myself as Dan Wood recruiter or Dan Wood, whatever, the agents wouldn't connect with me. So I always kind of like branded myself as Dan Wood real estate coach because the audience of the brokerages is the agent and they're so in therefore they're my audience too. So my primary consumer and product that I sold was to broker broker owners and managers. Um, but all of the content that I created was geared towards their audience, which was the agent. So that's why, yeah, you would have went to the brokerage nation website and been like, this isn't. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. So it sort of threw me off. I'm just like sitting there going, yeah. what exactly? <laughs> so, but it's amazing, right? Like, like I said, I've always found you to be outside the box thinking, which is great. And, and some of your answers showed that. Oh, dude, you should see some of the projects I'm working on right now outside of the box, man, like so unique. Oh, it's fun. Man. Marketing is fun. If you're not having fun and joy with what you're doing, you're, you're on the wrong track or you're on the right track, but you're just, um, going against the flow. Like you, you just have to find your own groove and that for sure, man. So I always use joy as my internal compass. And, um, for me, there's almost nothing funner then coming up with a creative, unique angle that is just like a one-off. Nobody's even ever considered it. And here we are doing it. I just, I love banging those ideas out. And actually like the, the more ridiculous and crazy and audacious it is, the more I lean into it. Well, here's the thing. We're in the middle of COVID. We're almost at the end of the tunnel. The, the light at the end of the tunnel is almost here. So a new agent comes on board, ready to go called all his database. How about giving us an example of what a new agent can do to start off? You asked that question and we got sidetracked. So a brand new agent, if there is one listening to this, uh, I would be picking up the phone and I would be calling everybody about a, a nosy neighbor alert. So I'll just do the script. So I pick up the phone and Laura answers the phone. I'd be like, Hey, Laura, it's Danny Wood over at ABC Realty. You got a minute? Now it's about real estate, but I'm not asking you to buy a home and sell a home. I also don't want to interrupt you. Is it okay if I call you? And then she says, yeah, I'm like, awesome. Okay. So, um, we got this thing and totally hear me out. Just play along. Uh, you can be totally wrong. If you could guess how many homes do you think sold in your neighborhood last year? Was it like three, six, 12, 20, like just take a wild guess. And she'll say whatever number, it doesn't matter. So she'll be like, I don't know, 12. So then I would repeat the number, whatever she says, 12. 
Okay, so you would agree 12 isn't a very overwhelming or spammy number, because what we can do is we set up our system to email you just the activity right in your neighborhood. And you're going to see the pictures, the price, the home staging and the renovations that people are doing right in your neighborhood. And it really allows you to kind of be that nosy neighbor and keep your finger on the pulse of the market that matters the most to you. Now it's totally free, so it doesn't cost you or me anything. And I'm already setting people up, so it's of no bother for me to include you. And I didn't want you to miss out. Would that be okay if I kept you in the loop? And then she's going to say, yeah, hopefully. And if she says, yeah, then I'm like, awesome. Okay, what's the exact um, email address? And remember you said it might only be 12 a year, so it's not going to be that overwhelming. And then she gives me her email. Okay, perfect. What's the, what's the exact mailing address? I want to really dial this in for you. So that it's just like your postal code and everything. So now she's telling me her whole address. So now I've got name, phone number, email, the mailing address. I set her up on a prospect match. So I would treat her as if she was a buyer and I set her up only instead of getting all the listings in the whole city, I'm just targeting that one little neighborhood, that one little pocket. So now she's getting a real estate related drip because whenever a new listing hits the market in that pocket, boom, your little MLS system or whatever you use is going to email them the pictures, the price and all the information. It's real estate related. It's super relevant and local to them. It's free for both you and them. It's branded as you and coming from you. It's like, that is the mission that I would be on. If I, if I owned a brokerage, Every new agent that joins our company, they would have to go through an exercise of building a database. And I would need to see, even if it was like an Excel sheet of at least a hundred, maybe 150, if you can go more, do it. But definitely you need at least a hundred uh, of uh, people's names, first name, last name, their phone number, and maybe their email if you got it. But if not, just their phone number. And you have to go through this exercise. Well, how do I get their phone numbers? I don't even know a hundred people. So I have an exercise that takes people through a whole one hour session of building and growing their database from scratch. Any new agent that joins her company, even a, an existing agent, if they're, because it's still a new agent, like they're renewing their business, right? Um, they're starting from scratch. They're starting fresh. And so this is a good uh, springboard. So anyways, it would be the nosy neighbor alert would be my first suggestion because it's so easy to have that conversation that I just did. Um, and, and don't be a cookie cutter robot, neither. I'm not about reading a script like word for word, letter for letter. Like just have the idea and the intention of why you're calling people and the outcome of what, what the benefit is to them. And then just have a real conversation with a real person. You don't have to force them if they don't want to do it, then just stop talking about that and talk about them. So, Hey, it's been a while. What are you up to? How are things now on the back of your mind? I would always have at least three business related things that I could uh, pull from, whether it be about, uh, Oh, we're doing a house value report in the new year. Would you like a copy? Or we're doing, um, a career as real estate as a second career, a webinar or, uh, investing in real estate. So I'd always have these like other real estate related things in the back of my mind, but I would only pull them out if it fit into the conversation that I was having with the person. So as a brand new agent, I would be first creating at least a list of a hundred, go for more. You should really have like 150 or more contacts in your database. 
then you have to have a reason for why you're calling these people. Um, and those are those, without throwing too much mud at the wall, that's what I would suggest a real estate agent do. Now, if anybody is actually going to do that, I'll give you my cell number. It's 905-903-5442. If you get to that point and you start having hurdles, headaches, roadblocks, and you're, you're stuck, then just give me a call or a text and I'll privately chat with you one-on-one -on -one to see what the issue is and to get you moving forward. Perfect. Well, I want to be respectful to your time. I mean, we're approaching about the hour mark. So okay. we're going to, I want to, one last thing for you. New agent comes on board, has about 500 bucks to start off. What yeah. would you suggest they use that 500 bucks to get started? Like obviously business card, would you recommend a website or would you hold off? You know, that kind of thing. There's two things you can leverage. You can leverage your time and you can leverage your money. As a brand new agent, I would focus on leveraging, leveraging your time. Um, so that $500 I would keep and only spend when you knew that it, you would get it back somehow. Every agent's different. It depends on what they're marketing and the reason for the marketing. So it's hard. I don't have a, oh, if you got 500 bucks, you should spend it here. Your business cards. I got, I don't have it. No, I don't have it. So it was this plastic business card case. It was like a really shitty plastic book and you open it up and then it was like loose leaf plastic sleeves that you could put credit cards and business cards right. and gift cards into. Right. Okay. So I would do things like this where I partner up with a mortgage broker or yeah, I would do a mortgage broker and um, this business book that you put your business card in the mortgage broker puts their business card in and um, they sponsor the book. So I, I was always having other people pay for my stuff, whether it be an event or um, marketing material. We had buyer packages that was, that was uh, sponsored by the lawyers. Like we, we had all this stuff like sponsored by other people. So really um, I don't suggest you spend any money as a brand new agent. There's so many free ways to do this business that um, sa save your money. I, you probably don't even need a website right away because you'd probably be better off just doing Facebook ads. Here's what I would do. We used to advertise the further away from Toronto you go, the cheaper the homes become. And um, so even though I was Durham region, I really didn't like working Pickering too much. I liked Oshawa and Whitby and Bowmanville. And, uh, but the strategy that worked really well was we would take a Bowmanville listing and we would advertise it in the Pickering newspaper or the Ajax newspaper or the Whitby newspaper because they had a higher price point. So we would take the Bowmanville listing that was at the time, say 200,000 or 250. I'm talking 2007, by the way. So we, I would take that listing, 250,000, advertise it in Whitby, which would have been like 350,000. So it was like 100,000 price gap. And I would advertise the price of this Bowmanville listing and all these people would start calling us like, oh my God, where's this? So I'd be like, oh yeah, that one's in Bowmanville. And they're like, oh, I don't want Bowmanville, I want Whitby. Oh, okay. So whereabouts in Whitby are you looking? <laughs> and we just had a st started having a real normal conversation about like what they want. So you could take that same strategy today in 2020, and I would still take the Bowmanville listing, for example, but I would advertise it on Facebook in Whitby and I would advertise the price. So the call to action would be um, for pictures, location, and all information, contact us. And then um, they would click on the little ad. I, I would save your money on the website and just go right to Facebook marketing because the cost per lead is cheaper. And um, really you should be leveraging your time and not your money. 
Perfect. Very clever. So I'm going to include all your information, you know, at the notes of the podcast, obviously. And uh, okay. I want to say thank you very much for this. I'm very grateful. And uh, yeah, it was a great session. Cool. Well, hopefully people get past the first like one or two minutes because um, it probably didn't. It looked rocky and bumpy and not of much value, but uh, it definitely felt good midway and going through the end. So again, I'll just end off. If anybody um, does want to reach me, my cell number is 905-903-5442. I'll do a free half hour coaching call for anybody that listens to this. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Primarily, I help real estate agents. Um, but anyways, all my marketing works. So anybody who likes me and wants to chat more, just give me a text. If you want me on as a speaker, podcast, or other thing like that, same thing, 905-903-5442. Okay. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you.